your Locked On Canadiens, your daily podcast on the Montreal Canadiens, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and thank you for making Locked On Canadians your first listen of the day every day. We are free and available on all podcasting platforms. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 478 of Locked On Canadians. I am one of your hosts. I am Scott Matla, and as always, I am joined by the active stick, Laura Saba. It is currently but o'clock on the East Coast, but that's okay because the Montreal Canadiens have not only won in San Jose in regulation for the first time since 1997. They pitched a 4-0 shutout behind 45 saves from Jake Allen. And Laura, uh, besides tired, how are we feeling? Honestly, I can't believe it. I, I just, you know, we were talking about this before recording. I cannot believe that they scored four goals, and I cannot believe they have a shutout. They did not allow any goals. Uh, and I also cannot believe that they won in San Jose. Uh, I was uh, actually full confession. I had fallen asleep before the game. Uh, I woke up <laughs> and it was five minutes. You know, Scott knows this is, this is our, our entire story last season. Um, but uh, I, I woke up and it was 517 into the first period when I turned on the game and they had not allowed a goal yet. And I was like, I can't believe, I, I don't know how this is happening. The Canadians have not allowed a goal in the first five minutes. Uh, honestly, I have to say that this is the Canadians that we thought we were going to see in that we knew they were going to give up a lot of scoring chances. We knew they were going to give up a lot of shots, but we also thought that they were going to score a lot of goals. And that's what they did. If you want to look at the underlying numbers, they're not that great. If you watch them get hemmed in to their zone, uh, that they're, it's not that great. It doesn't look great. Uh, but we did expect great goaltending from this tandem, especially when Carey Price comes back. And uh, we did expect them to score goals, which they are now starting to do. And hopefully this, you know, this the, the dam breaking or whatever it is, the one thing that they need to go right uh, is going to help a lot of players. You know, I thought uh, I thought that uh, Cole Caulfield in this game wasn't that much of a factor, but I can tell that it's going to get there. Uh, Mike Hoffman, obviously providing the scoring that we were promised with that signing uh, that we expected. Uh, honestly, Jonathan Drouin with those passes, with that dipsy doodling, he's so great. He's been having such a great season. It's a revelation. Uh, who am I forgetting, Scott? Uh, Alexander Romanov had one hell of a game. He ended up with a Gordie Howe hat trick uh, with a fight <laughs> against Jonah Gajevich in the final seconds. It, it was a good game for him. I thought Brett Kulak had a lot of really smart plays as well. I in the whole game though it, it it's about Jake Allen. Jake Allen oh, yeah. was nothing short of absolutely incredible tonight. You know a 45 save shutout is nothing it's nothing to to sneeze at to be quite honest. He was the star of the show and he was so focused. At, we talked a little bit in the Seattle game that he kind of looked off or that something wasn't quite right. And in this game, Jake Allen just channeled every little bit of energy that he had, and he became God, basically. San Jose had nothing 
They had so many good chances in all situations. They had three and a half expected goals. Jake Allen allowed zero, which that it's an incredible perform, performance and is arguably one of the best we've seen since Carey Price in the playoffs last year. It's it. I am glad that they were able to keep both because I all due respect to Caden Primo, to Michael McNiven, to Samuel Montembeau. None of them would have been able to do what Jake Allen did tonight. And that's got to be a huge boost for the team. They owe Allen one, but they also they went up three goals and they kind of took their their foot off the gas a little bit, which is fine. You know, it it's not a big deal to have that happen or that kind of thing happen. Um, and so there are a couple of things that I just want to mention real quick, because I know we want to get to the mailbag, which peek behind the curtain we've already recorded. So if it sounds a little bit more doom and gloom than you expect, it's because we recorded it before the game and we expected the same result tonight that we always get in San Jose. Uh, I just want to say real quick, it's exactly like you said with Jake Allen, it seemed like he had heard that there were some question marks, even though he's been playing really well, he had one rough game in Seattle and that was a rough game. Uh, especially by Jake Allen's standards. I think what he did was he turned around and he decided to get really aggressive. He doesn't make it look as beautiful as Carey Price does. Carey Price makes it look effortless. He looks all those, he makes all those things look graceful, effortless, beautiful. Jake Allen, you can see the effort in his face. You can see the look in his eyes. He came to play. You said that he woke up and chose violence. I was like, yeah. And then he took a nap and then woke up again and chose violence again. Uh, I really, I was really impressed with him. And uh, the one other thing that I wanted to say is that I hope that because of this, the Canadians in front of him will play the way that they play in front of Carey Price. There is a psychological aspect to having Carey Price back there. There is a psychological calmness that comes with having goaltending that you know you can rely on that will bail you out because you know you make a lot of mistakes. And so the Canadians hopefully will play aggressively knowing that they have the luxury of making mistakes. And what we've wanted from them is more aggressive play because when they play it safe, they tend to paradoxically make more mistakes. It's not unique to the Canadians. Uh, but the Canadians in particular are like that. When they play it safe, they're more prone to mistakes. If they are less afraid of making mistakes, if they take bigger risks, they're going to generate more often. So I really, really, really hope this game builds that for them. I agree. This is, there were a lot of good things. The power play looked slightly better. The penalty kill was very good. Jake Allen was great. The offense was clicking a little bit more. This is the best the fourth line has looked this entire season. And I know we said this after Detroit, but this should be something to build on. Take the positives from this game and bring them into LA and bring them into Anaheim. Those are two extremely winnable games right now for the Canadians. LA still has some depth to it and some good pieces. And the Ducks can be dangerous if you let them into the game, but they're winnable games. And you've got to build off of victories like this. And our only hope is that the Canadians do so. And... If they don't, then we're back to the drawing board and we'll see where they're at on Monday when we kind of recap the weekend here as we go. And you know what? It's nice to finally get a win in San Jose. It's been, what, 20, almost 25 years since a regulation win in the Sharks building. Feels kind of good to uh, to end the week with that. And with it being the end of the week, it is our Friday mailbag, folks. And that is coming up next. If you followed this show for however long we've been on the air, 478 episodes now, you know that this podcast loves Built Bar. 
there is something for everyone with Built Bar. It is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, and it's got so many incredible flavors that there is something for everybody. If you want fruit, there's cherry, raspberry, and several others. If you want dark, rich flavors like German chocolate or cookies and cream, they have that too. And the best part is they are extremely healthy. There are 17 to 18 grams of protein in a bar, low calorie, low sugar, low carbs, and they taste like a candy bar. So despite all those things being real low on there, they are absolutely perfect for whatever you need them for. I've had them on my way to work. I've had them on hikes. Laura's had them as midday stacks just to help get through. And right now, if you go to built.com and use promo code LOCKED15, you're going to get 15% off your order. So you can go there. Order one of their mix box where you can get two of their original nine flavors inside that box. Use promo code LOCKED15 and save yourself 15% on your order. As always, thank you so much for making us your first listen of the day here at Locked On Canadians. As always, we are available on all podcasting platforms. And as we said right off the top of the show here, it is Friday. That means it is mailbag day. And if you want to send us your mailbag questions, we put out a tweet once a week and we kind of share it throughout the day at LO underscore Canadians, or you can email us at LockedOnCanadians at gmail.com. Laura, what do we have in the mailbag today? Well, I just really quickly want to shout out Emily, who came up with a great idea for a question that we're going to actually make a segment. Um, and that is, if you could shuffle the players around to different positions, who would you put where? So we're accepting your suggestions as well for that questions. Uh, but we will deal with it and we will go through it uh, carefully next, uh, probably sometime next week, because we want to spend a full segment on it. But uh, in the meantime, Goalie Droid, who I met at the game last week, as I mentioned, I know Bergevin said he wasn't going to make any moves, but if you could add one player to the roster, not including those currently injured or away from the team, or one coach to the bench to fix the Habs, who would you add? Oh, that's a look. So does this mean I could take a player from like any team or do they have to be a part of the Canadians organization as a whole? No, I, it looks like it looks like any team because she said, not including those currently injured or away from the team. So I, I'm guessing if, if it can't be from the NHL roster, it also can't be from the AHL roster either. Well, for the coaching thing, and I know we've harped on this before, but I'd probably bring in Guy Boucher. This team needs some structure to play in, and he's not perfect, but he knows how to set up a team with structure and how to play within that, so that's not the worst thing in the world. But if we're talking about adding a player, I, quite honestly, I'd like Philip Deneau back. Uh, someone to help ease Nick Suzuki's minutes a little bit there and help give him some offensive zone time. He hasn't quite had that yet. And I really do think him coming, if we were to have someone in his role come back, it would be, it, it feels like it'd be a good way to get them back on track. And I I don't know if we're of the same mind on that, Laura. Speaking of Philippe Deno, I just want to say real quick, check out Locked On Los Angeles Kings with Sarah Vampato because I guessed it on that podcast and talked about Philippe Deno and how much I would like him back. Yeah, if we had a choice, uh, I would say, I would say, actually, I would go bigger than Deno, to be honest. Um, I would go with a defenseman. I would go with Dougie Hamilton. I'm, oh, I mean, Dougie Hamilton would be – there's so many players. We could name people from every single team. Like, I'd love Connor McDavid, but I also tried to be uh, uh, somewhat reasonable, I guess, in terms of what I was looking for. I, I'm sure people yeah, will say – Yeah, well, my <laughs> thinking was we wouldn't get Connor McDavid, but we could still get an elite player if we gave up enough assets. That That is a very good point, actually. So, 
Uh, what else do we have in the mailbag? Jeff the Red asks us, what movie is most ana analogous, oh my God, I cannot pronounce things today, to the Habs season so far? Did they make a movie about the Hindenburg? Because that feels like it might be a pretty <laughs> accurate, like, Titanic, I guess, works in that it's long, drawn out. We stay up, and at the end, we're just mad because she threw the diamond back in the ocean. Anyways, I'm not at all, I don't at all have strong opinions on the movie Titanic, so... <laughs> I mean, I can't beat that. I was like, what is a movie in which everything goes wrong or like it ends in disaster? And I think I think you kind of hit the nail on the head with the ending in disaster part. So uh, also, if there question. is a movie about the Hindenburg, please let us know, because that is my actual answer. But Titanic is a nice fill in until I find out that information. <laughs> I'm willing to bet that Will already knows if there's a movie about the, the Hindenburg. And of course he, he does. Immediately, as soon as he wakes up. <laughs> Um, and listens to this podcast. Sometimes he like berates us at like six o'clock in the morning. Nobody's got time for that, Will. Some of us are trying to sleep. <laughs> uh, Cole asks us, should, should Weidman be integrated into the lineup more often? Yes, but at the same time, Sammy Niku hasn't played terribly and they're not going to replace Ben Sherratt with Chris Weidman just given what Sherratt's role on the team is. I do think we're going to see a rotation on that third pair. We're going to see Romanov go out. We're going to see Niku go out. We're going to see Weidman come in. We're going to see them rotate guys through, I think, the best that they can to see what they've got there. I don't think Weidman's played terribly. It's just that the team around him has been, I don't even want to say mercifully terrible. They've just been abysmal in that no one is really standing out right now. And it's not his fault, but at the same time, Niku came in and played really well against Detroit, and he's only played one other game since then. I think with the back-to-back -back this weekend, we're going to see Weidman back in the lineup. We're going to see a lot of rotation to try and keep guys fresh. I know we said that last time, but I, I do think that we're going to see more guys like Adam Brooks, uh, Chris Weidman in and out of the lineup here. Uh, the next question is, let's say the Habs season continues in this fashion and they end up with a top three pick right now. Who would you like to see them draft other than Shane Wright? Um, hold on. I'm going to I'm going to do a quick Google here. 2021, 22 NHL draft prospects. Let's see here um, from the sporting news, because this is the first thing that popped up here. Shane Wright is number one. Simon Nemec is number two. And Brad, I don't know if it's Lambert or Lambert. It's the least Finnish name I have ever seen in my entire <laughs> life. But he's kind of my pick. They do need an elite center prospect down the middle. And he's playing in Liga right now. And if he can get himself on track to be as good as he possibly can, I think he's the option right there right now. If we're not drafting Shane Wright, that is. I think we're drafting Shane Wright. I, I mean, think that's what we're going to see. Blow the roof off of the Bell Center when he's announced. I mean, yeah, the team will be terrible, but guess what? We get Shane Wright in the Montreal at the draft. It'll be great. I mean, what's better than that besides winning a Stanley Cup? Exactly. It's two things. It's getting the number one overall pick or winning the Stanley Cup. The Canadians are not winning the Stanley Cup this year, so can we go the other way? Apps. I, I don't see why not. They're trying their hardest as we go right now. So <laughs> Related to that, one more. I think we have time for one more question right in this segment. Yep. Yep. Does the fact that the Canadians are fresh off a run to the Stanley Cup final make their start the season easier or harder to accept for you? 
I think it's been harder so far is that I came in with realistic expectations that they weren't going to blow the doors off of teams like they did going through the playoffs last year. I thought they were going to struggle a little bit. I think the most frustrating part for me is that they just haven't looked any good. Like I can handle teams, the team losing. I can't handle a team losing and just looking like an adrift ship out there. There's no consistency. There's no heart. It just seems like a spineless blob. Except for the game against Detroit, which was great. Play more games like you're playing Detroit. That's all I'm asking for. But I, I don't think the Stanley Cup is the frustrating part. I think even based on my lowered expectations, they're still not even coming close to that bar. And that makes this whole start uh, worse compared to where what where it was last year, I guess. And I, I kind of agree with you. It is. I feel like it's a bit harder to accept because the thing with the with making the Stanley Cup final is it was this, it was this great experience that I would not exchange for anything. Like as a fan, you know, especially right now in, in today's world coming out of a pandemic, that was a fantastic experience. It makes me a little bit bitter because a lot of the positive interactions that we had and the community that we were all part of is kind of right now bickering again. Whenever the Canadians are bad, that's how it looks. So we don't have that communal aspect of it. Uh, but at the same time, it's also harder because we watched the Stanley Cup. People kept talking about how this Canadians team wasn't playing in a fun way, but they were winning games. And, you know, if they're going to lose, I would like them to be fun, bad. I would love a fun, bad team. You know, there would be so much stuff happening that even if they weren't necessarily winning games, if every night they were scoring goals, if we could see, you know, like the brightness that in the future through today's play, like, I think that would be great, but it's not happening. So it does make it a little bit harder just because like any, like there's no positives at the moment that we can see, but I know that once they get it together, like they're, they're not going to be world beaters at all, but I hope that we have more fun games in store for us. And I think that's my hope too. And coming up in our final segment, we have got the rest of our Friday mailbag. So stay tuned folks. Now we're back and better than ever. A new web interface for the start of the basketball season and more props, odds, lines than ever before. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. Head to our new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code LOCKED ON to receive your bonus. From basketball, football to the MLB postseason, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. We are back with our final mailbag segment here. And as always, if you want to send us your mailbag questions for our Friday show at LO underscore Canadians on Twitter or locked on Canadians at gmail.com. We are always looking for participation and new listeners and questions, everything. It is our favorite part of the week and one of our longest running segments. And if you like this, we've got a couple of new ones that we're debuting over the next week or so. So stay tuned for those. Laura, what else is in the mailbag besides Will's nonsense? <laughs> Cole asks a very good question. At what point do we give Allen a break and let McNiven have a chance? Back-to-backs coming up this weekend. I feel like we should have a rested Jake. I agree. However, the logistics of getting Michael McNiven from Laval to California 
in time for those games when the Rocket are also playing a back-to-back Friday, Saturday are extremely difficult just because of the nature of cross-country travel going from Canada to the United States is tough. I do agree, though, that at some point McNiven should get a shot here in the NHL. We talked about it a little bit in our prospect roundup that he's he's allowed to be frustrated just because of the way things are going right now. Uh, but I do think that before the end of the year that we will see Michael McNiven finally get his NHL start that he's earned so far. I also agree on that. I think we will see it and he's definitely earned it. As we talked about in our uh, last episode, we talked about we right now we're going to be doing a prospect segment every week where we talk about a story that's going on um, in the Hab system. And Michael, Mike, this is a very timely question because Michael McNiven was the topic of yesterday's episode. So catch that if you didn't, if you weren't able to listen yet. And so we've got another question. Actually, our question uh, right now uh, is this, this one's a tough one. Randy Hansen, would Bergevin stay another minute as GM if you were Molson? What would you do with him since he is not named in the Blackhawks scandal specifically? So we touched on this a little bit yesterday is that just because he wasn't named, doesn't mean we're absolving him of his potential role in that he still oversaw a segment of the team where he should have had contact with John Doe one Kyle beach as a prospect. And he did not allegedly, he was not named in the suit, which means he wasn't at the meetings or anything that Quenville and Stan Bowman and other people were at, but that doesn't mean that he couldn't have had secondhand knowledge. It's it's a very tough spot to be in and that I think Bergevin has a lot of questions to answer for and his the request from the Athletic to interview him about that was denied, which isn't surprising to anyone who knows the Canadians. And right now, they're not going to fire Bergevin, unfortunately, for this because he wasn't in the suit but they may still end up firing anyways just because the team's not performing. And as we learned in this whole ugly mess is that when the team stops winning, that's when they actually care about who's getting fired and they can just use it as a convenient excuse for that. As for my answer, I think Mark Bergman's probably run his course here a little bit. I wouldn't be shocked if the team keeps spiraling like this, that he's the first one out. If I were Jeff Molson, it, it is hard though to the optics of firing him because you just went to the Stanley Cup final aren't good, but sometimes you got to make those tough decisions. Absolutely. I agree with you. I think I would have fired him actually with the Logan Mayu pick and the way things work, like he would not have been the one to lose his job. It would have been Trevor Timmons. Uh, but that's when I would have fired him in terms of him not being named specifically, like you can't fire him based on a lack of evidence, but that does not mean he didn't do anything. That does not mean that he didn't have knowledge after the meeting or at some point. Uh, but at the same time, the, the, like with these things, like if if you're going to fire somebody on that basis, you need evidence because otherwise they're going to sue you. And, and so a lot of organizations think this way. And that's one of the reasons I believe that at this point, Chevelle Dayoff and, and, and Joel Quenville uh, have not immediately been canned is that their teams, like based on their agreements with these with these uh, employees, 
probably don't have grounds to terminate them. So it's going to be up to the NHL and they're hope I, I'm, I'm betting they're hoping that the NHL does the work for them um, and, and terminates or invalidates contracts. And, and personally with Mark Bergevin specifically, uh, what I, what I would have done though is uh, made him answer the questions. Even if you had no knowledge, I think it's not a good look not to answer the question. And again, we're not saying he did, we're not saying he didn't, but it's important because I'm seeing a lot of people getting really angry that the athletic even asked for an interview and they're talking about slander and all of that. And it's like the report not naming him does not absolve him. Like, please stop getting violent and angry and 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 trying to defend a guy when you don't even know whether or not he did a thing. Uh, and so so that like that's my final thing on this is that just because he doesn't, he didn't, just because he's not named doesn't mean that he didn't do anything, but that also means that you don't have grounds to fire him. But I do think that it would have been better PR, a uh, better optics to uh, make him talk to the media about it. And just like, if, even if he was going to sit there and repeat that he didn't know. And that's the thing is it, it's better. If you're completely innocent, it's better to why deny it or why deny the interview request? Because if you're innocent, you have nothing to hide. And I'm not saying that he does, maybe he doesn't, who knows it's, it's just, it's not good optics and it's not a good look considering everything going on right now. So being as forthcoming would probably be the best thing. And we'll see what comes of this now in the future. Um, so what do we have left, Laura? We've got a few questions. Uh, Randy Hansen says, why would Ducharme refuse to play Brooks over Pocket, who can't win a faceoff? If he needs this much time to learn the system, isn't this proof that the system is too complicated? I do not know what his fascination is with Cedric Paquette. I truly don't. I missed the one game Adam Brooks played or two games that he played, unfortunately. So I haven't had a chance to really look at him yet, but I've seen enough of Cedric Paquette to go, this isn't working right now. And he took a costly penalty against Seattle. Seattle then went on to win that game. You can't say that it's all about, you know, fair opportunities if you're not providing them to everybody. So I, I am hoping that Adam Brooks is back in the lineup here in short order. Let's go way, way out of the box. Randy Hansen says, I would definitely send both Caulfield and Romanov to Laval at the end of the road trip to protect them from this. Would you? I would replace them with Pizzetta and Schooneman, who both bring elements missing from the team currently. I'm guessing the elements are effort. Oh, I'm not sending Cole Caulfield to Laval. I'm not sending Alexander Romanov to Laval. And here's the thing. I love Michael Pozzetta. I love the energy. I love the hair. I love the aesthetic of Michael Pozzetta. Michael Pozzetta, the hockey player, is not an NHL player currently. He's going to try his ass off every single shift, but he's going to be playing under 10 minutes a night, and I don't think it's there. Corey Schooneman, I will grant you, because he's a very sneaky, underrated player on the Rocket, and he was last year, and he will be again this year. That I'm not opposed to, and... Honestly, there are worse options out there. So I, I will give you one out of two, Randy, on that. <laughs> yeah, you bring Schooneman up a lot whenever I say like, oh, well, who from Laval? <laughs> a lot of the time the answer is Schooneman. All right, uh, question again from Randy. I watched the original Girl with the Dragon Tattoo trilogy in Swedish with subtitles, and I found I couldn't watch the American remakes at all. What is your version of the Dragon Tattoo that you can't watch an American version of? That is oh, a brilliant boy. question. Old Boy. I cannot watch the American version of Old Boy. It's terrible. And Josh Brolin's great. Don't get me wrong. At least I'm pretty sure it was Josh Brolin in that movie. But the original Korean film with American subtitles is phenomenal. It is one of the best. Like, it's a, got a great twist at the ending. The action's great. The whole 
The whole tone of the movie is outstanding and has one of the best fight sequences I've ever seen. Highly recommend watching the original if you haven't before. I'm going to go ahead and check it out. And uh, we've got two more questions left. The first one is, again from Randy, what is your favorite book to recommend to people? Who uh, I don't know. I mean, I haven't read nearly as many books as I need to. Um, a lot of audiobooks. So I just, I, I listened to the entire Witcher series in the last year going to and from work because, and to and from Buffalo because I needed to fill the void of driving down I-90. So if you're... If you want Game of Thrones without nearly as much grossness, but with that whole fantasy element to it, deep storylines and characters that you want to follow along with, that whole series is very, very good. It's five or six books long, including a bunch of short stories in the first two. Highly recommend that. And as for me, it depends. Honestly, like there's one book that I recommend to people because I think it's really well written. It's a great read and it's called Cardboard Gods. And it's a, it's basically, it's hard to explain, but it's a story told through a collection of uh, baseball cards. I highly, highly recommend people check it out. But also there's a book called The Empathy Exams and it is a very, very heavy read. It is essays about empathy and the contemplation of empathy. Um, but I do think that it's an important read. So if you're looking for something that's really going to make you rethink things and is very heavy, Empathy Exams is it. But if you're just looking for an enjoyable read that when you read the book, you're going to be like, I'm so sad this book is over because I want to reread it or I, I want to read it again for the first time. It's Cardboard Gods. And finally, we are at our nemesis question. If you had to give a last minute presentation about an animal at the zoo to a bunch of people, which animal do you think you could best fake your way through a two hour discussion about without making a complete fool of yourself? Ooh, this is a good question. I want to say like bears of some kind, but I'm not two hours is a long time. I don't know a lot of things that I could talk about for two hours. Uh, I what wanna... could you make up for two hours? I mean, a lot. I assume. Am I like giving a presentation to like children or like actual experts? Because if it's kids, I can lie about anything for two hours. They're kids. They don't know any better. They're dumb. They're kids. Like if it's a room You're full of experts. <laughs> it's saying a bunch of people at the zoo. So I'm assuming it's a mix of kids and adults. I'm gonna. I'm going to pick grizzly bears then. I don't know okay. if grizzly bears are at zoos. I haven't been to the zoo in a while, so. <laughs> Some of them have bears, I think. I don't know all of them, if all of them do. Uh, uh, my, my choice is ostriches. I don't know if there are ostriches at zoos. I truly do not. But they're such a weird animal that you could make anything up about them and people would believe it. Did you know they're kick and kill a man? I did not know that, but now I'm going to use it in my presentation that I'm faking in this hypothetical situation Will created for us. There, There is a TikTok account I follow that does all animal facts, and he refers to the ostrich as a murder chicken. And I think that's all you need to know about that. So, All right. That's it. So I, I think I picked the better animal. Not that I, it was a competition. I, yes. And <laughs> that's it for the mailbag, Laura. That is it for the mailbag. Thank you all for your questions as always. And if you want to send us more questions at LO underscore Canadians on Twitter or LockedOnCanadians at gmail.com, you can follow Laura at The Active Stick and you can follow myself at Scott Matla. As always, thank you so much for making Locked On Canadians your first listen of the day. And normally we'd recommend that you go check out Locked On Fantasy Hockey and you absolutely should. 
But this week with everything surrounding the Chicago Blackhawks, it is well worth your time to go listen to Locked On Blackhawks. Jack did a great job covering everything surrounding the team this week. It's well worth listening to. Obviously, trigger warning for everything involved in that. But if you're looking for any information, you want a great, very even-keeled response to the Chicago Blackhawks organization as a whole, please go check that out. And we will see you all next week.